Welcome to Kuhau Podcast. We thank you for tuning in. If this is your first time listening in with us, we want you to know that you are a part of a new loving family. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message encourages you and transforms your life. Now stay tuned for today's message. I just want to welcome you to Christ's Uncensored House of Worship once again. Thank you for tuning in. And I want to be honest, man, I'm I'm so grateful. I just want to share that with you today, that I'm, I'm so grateful that uh, it's been it's been quite a few weeks that we've been doing church online and I know it can kind of get um, I don't know what the word is, but it can kind of get like, ah, oh, man, when is this going to be over? Right. You get those feelings like when is this going to be over already? And and maybe we thought that it would have been over already and it hasn't been. And so I just want to commend you and I want to say thank you for continually inviting us in your space, inviting us in your home. And that's why I'm preaching from a couch today, because I, I might as well preach from a couch or make myself at home in your living room or from wherever you're tuning in. And uh, again, I want to say thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. And uh, Lisa and I love you. We miss you. We can't wait to fellowship physically once again. But in the meantime, I just want to say thank you for sticking the course. Thank you for making Sunday a priority at your home to spend these moments with your family and God and building and growing in our relationship with him. What is our series? Well, our series is Love is Our Logo, which comes from John chapter 13. You already know it. Uh, I believe, I'm praying that we've memorized this verse. Verse 35, and it says, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. And today's week seven, y'all. Can you imagine that? We are in week seven of Love is Our Logo. And I'm just going to give you the, t- the title right off the bat. Um, the title to today's message is Love is Not Silent. Love is Not Silent. And what I want to do for us today is I want to share a message that's going to help us be able to tell people about God. And maybe you've been thinking about that. How can I tell somebody else about God? And this is the truth about God and this is the truth about love, that love is not silent. And I want to read that from this passage of scripture in Romans chapter 13. Uh, We're going to begin reading, I'm sorry, Romans chapter 10, verse 13. And we're going to read from 13 through 15. So Romans chapter 10, verse 13 through 15. And this is what it says. Anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Did you hear that? Anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. But how? How shall they ask him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them unless someone sends them that is what the scriptures are talking about when they say how beautiful are the feet of those who preach what do they preach oh they preach the gospel of peace with god and bring glad tithings that's good news of the good things in other words how welcome are those who come preaching god's good news as we said the title is Love is not 
silent. Help me pray for a few seconds. Heavenly Father, we just thank you. We thank you, Lord, that we get to spend this time that we have prioritized to be with you and to be with the church. And we pray, Lord, that you speak to us in this moment, that you challenge us, that you equip us, that you empower us, um, and that we may be reminded over and over that you love us. In Jesus' name, we pray and we thank you. We love you because you first loved us. Amen and amen. Some of you may have already heard this story. You, you, Many of us know the story. We've said it. We've illustrated it before where um, my son was lost. Now, um, you may know this story because I've shared it where my son was lost at the age of eight. He's 14 years old right now. And I maintain that I've never lost my son. However, I have left him under the care of those who have lost my son. And if you haven't heard the story, just simply put, my son was left in the care of an unknown person, a.k.a. Reuben. And Reuben was entrusted. My We gave Reuben my son. Hey, watch my son. He wants to hang out with you. He wants to chill with you. And uh, Reuben did not walk like a shepherd behind the sheep. He walked ahead of the sheep and he went outside of the store. He's laughing because he knows it's the truth. And he was walking, he walked out of the store and my son did not see him. And my son walked out of the store before him. And he was went looking for him. Long story short, my son went missing. I approached Ruben and I'm like, where is my son? He says, I don't know. And then I'm looking at Ruben like he's the devil himself. And again, Bishop went missing. We could not find Bishop. I asked my wife. I found my wife. I asked her. We could not find Bishop. I went across the mall yelling Bishop's name. I mean, I'm yelling at the top of my lungs Bishop's name. And I'm looking at people and I'm telling them, I need you to help me find my son. I'm looking at people face to face and I'm describing Bishop. I'm telling them, hey, listen, he's eight years old. He looks like this. He's uh, he's wearing a green shirt. His name is Bishop. I need everyone here to help lock down this Staten Island mall because I need everyone to help me find my son. And moments later, my son comes and he runs to me and I get to embrace my son. I get to hold him. One of the most relieving moments of my life, just coming together with my son again. It was just a joy. It was just exciting and relieving all at the same time. So many emotions. But this might be a part of the story that you don't know, that my son, uh, when I asked him, hey, how, how, how is it that you came to me? How did how is it that you, you, you heard me going crazy? He's like, no, uh, one of the guys at the kiosk, a kiosk operator said, hey, are you looking for your dad? Because I think your dad is calling you. And this kiosk operator directed my son to my voice. Ooh, that, that's right. That's getting ready to preach, right? That's getting ready to preach right there. And I thought that to be interesting because I think that if this young man would have stood silent, my son would have probably walked further away from me. But before my son could hear my voice, he had to hear the kiosk operator's voice that directed him to my voice. And I just thought about that because I think that if you have heard the call of the father first, 
that we have been employed, that we have uh, been deployed, I should say, that we have been um, sent out to tell others that daddy is calling them back home. Like we have a responsibility that if we have first heard the voice of God, that we're supposed to tell others that God is calling them back home. And there's some people that God has placed in our circumference. There's some people that God has placed in our space. There's some people that God has placed in our circle that may just need to hear your voice before they hear God's voice for themselves. There's some people that God has placed in, in, in your barbershop that may need to hear your voice before they hear God's voice for themselves. There's some people that are in your coffee shop that they may need to hear your voice before they hear God's voice for themselves. There's some people that God has placed in your social club, in your circle of influence, and they may just need to hear your voice before they could ever hear God's voice for themselves. I think love can be many things. Love is loud. It's the voice of a father, it's loud. Love is also quiet. It's, it's low. It's, it's, it's low. It's quiet. Like the voice of the kiosk operator. Hey, I think your, your father is calling you. I think that's your dad. I think you need to run to him. I need to think. But here's one thing about love is that love is never silent. As we've said, like, if this man would have kept shut and would have heard the voice of a father calling his son, but have never said anything. It could mean that I would have lost my son and he could have walked further away from him, which means all sorts of things could have happened. Love is not silent. And the Apostle Paul is writing a letter to the church in Rome. And he says, I want to read this to us again. It says, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I love that. I love the the all-inclusiveness to this passage that anyone, and in the Greek, anyone means anyone, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how? How shall they ask him to save them unless they believe? Oh, and so, so in order for me to call on the name of the Lord, I got to believe. But how am I going to believe? Here's what it says. Unless I hear about God. How can I place my faith in God if I have not yet heard about God? Oh, so, so then I need to hear about God. Oh, but how can you hear about God if no one tells you about them? If, if no one tells you about him, if no one tells you about God. And here's what we need to understand. We need to understand something that's crucially important. That just because your faith is personal, it doesn't mean your faith is private. Ooh, I'll say that again. Just because your faith is personal doesn't mean your faith is private. Just because what God has done for your life is personal, it doesn't mean that what he's done in your life was meant to keep private. God has rescued you so that you can be a rescuer. God has rescued you so that you can go and rescue others. If you have heard the voice of God first, then he has called all those that have heard his voice to go out and direct people to hear his voice for themselves. God doesn't rescue you simply to alleviate you from your troubles or your problems. God rescues you to put you on mission and to go out and rescue people. Come on. Woo! 
Love is not silent. Somebody put that in the comment section right now. Put love is not silent. Love is not silent. Love is not silent. I need us to get this in our spirit. Love is not silent. It says anyone who calls on the name of the Lord, anyone, and I want you to envision right now the anyone's that God has placed in your life. I want you to envision them in your mind right now. I want you to see them in your heart. Anyone, look at the people that God has placed in your circle of influence, the anyone's that I want you to envision them calling upon the name of the Lord. Maybe it's a family member that doesn't know God and has not heard God's voice for themselves. I want you to envision them calling upon the name of the Lord. I want you to see that coworker that you know they need an encounter with Jesus. I want you to envision them calling upon the name of the Lord. I want you to see that person that's trying to slide in your DMs. I want you to see them calling upon the name of the Lord. A family member, a cousin, an aunt, an uncle, an in-law. I want you to see them calling upon the name of the Lord. I want you to see them right now crying out for God. They're calling upon the name of the Lord. But how can they call upon him if they don't believe? And how can they believe if they haven't heard about his great love? And how could they have heard about his great love unless someone has told them about this great love? It's like the father is calling for this great celebration, this party. And he has given us the task of inviting people to this party. God is throwing the best party in the world and he just wants his sons and daughters to come back home. And he has sent us as his agents to tell the world that there's a party going on in daddy's house and he just wants you to come. And I think that no scripture makes it more clearer that we've been put on mission than 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 through 20. Because it gives us the mission It gives us who do we belong to, and it gives us the message. And look what it says. It says, this means, this is verse 17. This means that anyone, there goes that anyone again, but now it's talking about you and I. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. So what does that mean? That if you've placed your faith in Jesus, that if you had an encounter with God, that that you belong to God, You've become a new person. The old life is gone. The new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God. You didn't earn it. It's not a reward from God. It is a gift, a free gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us the task of reconciling people to him. What's our responsibility? Oh, it's to to reconcile people to him. For God... God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. How did he do this? Here's here's the secret. How did God reconcile the world to himself? No longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us, it's another, here here it goes. He's, He's reminding us again what he's given us. He gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. He has given us, he's entrusted us, he has given us a task of sharing with the world this wonderful message of reconciliation. The message that God has given us is a wonderful message. So we are Christ's ambassadors 
God is making his appeal through us. He reconciled the world in Christ. He gives us he gives us this ministry and then he says he is making his appeal through us we speak for christ can you put that in the comment section or look at the person next to you and tell them hey we speak for christ when when we plead come back to god we speak for christ when we plead come back to god so I want to reference Romans once again. It says, how can they hear unless someone tells them? But then it says, how can someone tell them unless they have been sent with a message? Can I tell you who are the sent today? They are the ones that belong to God already. They are the ones that have already received this beautiful message of God's love. He says, if you have received this message, then it means you belong to God, which means you're an ambassador of God, which means that when you speak, come back home, you are speaking on Christ's behalf. Is as if God is speaking through you when you say, come back to God. And so if you're hearing this, maybe you're thinking, okay, man, I've been thinking about this. I've been thinking about telling other people about God. I just don't know how. I don't know exactly what to say or what to do. And and uh, and my love has been silent for far too long and I I just need help. And I and here's what I want you to know, like I want you to know that when you hear this message today, that you are going to walk out of it more encouraged to share and tell people about God than you've ever been. I want to promise you that when you hear this message, I'm just going to give you three things today, three things, three words, that if you just remember these three words, that you're going to walk out here more encouraged, but not just encouraged. You're going to walk out here equipped to tell other people about God. And so maybe you're tuning in and and you're new, or maybe you don't have a relationship with God. You 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 have uh, looked up your life and said, you know, I feel like I'm not. I don't even know God, and and maybe you don't even want to know about God. Maybe you kind of stumbled into this live, or you stumbled into this video that you're watching, and you don't. And and, and maybe your your encounter with God's people hasn't been so pleasant. Maybe some people that have said, well, my love will not be silent, has come in the package of being weird and being condemning has come in the package of people condemning you. And I just want to firstly apologize to anyone who's had that experience, but I want to encourage you to continue to tune in, continue to watch this message because I think that you might be able to receive it for the first time the way it should be expressed. How we ought to talk to people and how we ought to tell people about God. And here's, here's these three words I want to give you. I want to, I want to make it as simple as possible for us today. I don't want to make this complicated. I don't want this. I don't want this to be arduous for any of us. I want this to be simple for all of us. And I really believe it's supposed to be that simple. I think it's been overcomplicated. And so I just want to put it by three words. Here it goes. Ready? Gospel, testimony, represent. That's it. Eso es todo. Gospel, testimony, represent. Come on, somebody. Put that in the comments. Gospel, hey, testimony, woo, represent. That's it right there. Gospel, hey, testimony, woo, represent. I know Frank Nitty's dancing right now. I know he's putting that in the comments right now. Gospel, 
testimony represent? Let me unpack gospel for you right now. The gospel, write this down, gospel, God's message of love. Gospel, God's message of love. What are we supposed to preach? Oh, we're supposed to preach the gospel. Corinthian tells us that we have been given a wonderful message of reconciliation. What's the message that we've been given? It's the message of reconciliation. It's the message that God has forgiven our sins. It's the message that we speak when we talk to people. It's come back home to God. That's the message that we've been given. And I think that over the years, we've just complicated this message and we've added our own little swag and we've added our own little uh, uh, opinions into this message. And we have overcomplicated this message, but God has just given us one message there's only one message that God has given you to share with others that don't know about him it's that God loves them and God wants them to come back home that God is not holding their sins against them this is the message the New Testament calls it the gospel which literally means good news gospel means good news and the message we ought to be sharing with people that don't know God is the good news if you do a little bit of research in the Greek language the word gospel is euangelion euangelion that sounds pretty dope right euangelion it means the good news or the good message but it's so seldomly used in ancient Greek literature because it actually means a little bit more than just good message. Like when we translate it into the English language, literal as good message, it doesn't carry the weight that it does in the original language. And so we hear good message and that kind of that kind of feels good and it, it sounds good. But there's so much there's such a deeper meaning in the Greek language when you read the euangelion because what it meant it was used so seldomly in ancient literature because the notion that it carried was the almost too good to be true kind of news you know what i'm talking about like euangelion means it's the nearly too good to be true news like when you hear this message you're like come on man that can't be true like stop frying stop stop frying right now you know that ain't true like that's how good it sounds when you share the good news when you share the gospel when you share the euangelion that when people hear it the message that it carries and the news that it carries makes it so so good that it sounds unbelievable and i think that in a time that we're living in right now i think people need to hear the good news the time that we're living in right now where every you turn on the TV is bad news. You turn on your phone, it's bad news. You go on social media, it's bad news. You go on your neighborhood watch, it's bad news. And I would hate for people to come to church and tune in on an online service and also have to hear bad news. We have overcomplicated the message and we have brought religion into it and we have brought our traditions into it. But the message of God is to tell people and share with them the gospel, the euangelion. And this is why in the New Testament, it's used over and over and over and over again, because though it does not describe many things outside of the New Testament. In the New Testament, what God has done for his people 
perfectly describes the good news. You on Gelion. Man, you, you might even ask people like, hey, what's the gospel? And people won't be able to tell you. There's a lot of people that you ask them about the gospel. They think it's a, a genre in Christianity. They think it's a music genre. You ask them what the gospel, they think it's a flavor. Like the gospel, you ask people, they think it's the Bible and, and the law and, it, and, and the Ten Commandments. Or you think it's, they think it's the, the book of, Pro no, the gospel is one message. It's the greatest news on the planet. It's the great, and I want to tell you what the gospel is not. You need to get this. The gospel isn't preaching. This might, this might mess with some of our religious paradigms. The gospel is not preaching the wrath of God. Oh, mama mia. The, the gospel, listen to me, is not preaching the judgment on humanity. The gospel is not telling people how sinful they are, and if they don't repent, they are going to hell. That is not, my friends, hear me. That is not the gospel. The gospel isn't telling people how holy they need to live. The gospel isn't any of these things. Now, these things may be true to certain degrees, but they are not the gospel. In fact, any prerequisite, any stipulation, any condition that we place on people before telling them to come back home to God's love is not the gospel. It is not the gospel. And that's why Paul tells us, he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's not, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because the gospel is the power of God. And what was he saying? He's like, it's not the power of man. Why? Oh, because that's religion. And so many of our worship songs are filled with religion. They're filled with the power of man. They're filled with, sometimes I'm a stickler for worship songs because our worship is more about the power of God Romans chapter 12 tells us in view of his mercy, in view of his mercy, in view of his love, in view of everything he's done for us, we can respond in worship. The gospel is, is not about the power of man. The gospel is about the power of God. And this is what you need to hear today. And this might be foreign to many of us, but the gospel is more about God's love than it is even about your response. The gospel is more about what God has done for humanity than what humanity can do or could ever do for God. The gospel is more about God, Jesus's perfect life than it is about how perfect we could ever live. The gospel is more about God's faithfulness to us than our faithfulness to God. For when we are unfaithful, the Bible says that God remains faithful. The, God is more, the gospel is more about God coming down to reach humanity than we could ever attempt to reach to God. That's why the gospel is not about winning an argument. The gospel is about winning souls. And Paul tells us explicitly what the gospel is in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He says, now brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel. The gospel that I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand by this gospel, you are saved. 
by this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preach to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. Listen, when you start mixing the message of God with other things, then your foundation becomes shaky. If you add God's love plus your works, then your foundation is shaky. Your salvation is shaky. If you add God's love plus your performance, then your salvation will always be shaky. It'll always be convoluted. It'll always be complicated. It'll always be unsure. And that's why you don't, you don't have to be weird about this when you share it with people. It's God's love. It's the gospel is the message of God's love. What is the gospel? Well, Paul tells us right here, for what I received, I passed on to you of first importance. What is it, Paul? What is the gospel? That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And he was buried. That he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Oh, it sounds a lot like what we just read. That God has given us the ministry of reconciliation, which means that God has reconciled the world to himself and is not holding their sins against them. This is the gospel. It's the forgiveness of sins. It's, so, it's that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son to die for our sins, that whoever places their faith in Jesus will not perish but have eternal life. This is the gospel. This is the message that God has given us all. We don't have to be weird about this. We don't have to show up in somebody's comment section that says that they're not feeling good and you say, well, that's because you don't have a relationship with God. We don't have to be judgmental when someone brings us their problems and, 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 and judge them. Well, you know what? If you, if you had a relationship with God, then you're, you wouldn't be dealing with these. Th no, we don't, have to be, we don't have to be judgmental and we don't have to be know-it-alls. We don't have to pretend like we can win every debate, like we know every scripture, like we're smarter than everybody in the room. We can just share the, message, the, the, the simple message of God's love. And if we're not careful... We can begin making the gospel more about the bad news of people than the good news of God. But God has given us the greatest message on the planet and he wants all of us to share it. Here's the second word I want to give you, testimony. So the gospel is the message of God's love, but your testimony is what God's love has done in you and for you. Your testimony is what God has done in you and for you. Let me tell you something. Each of us have a unique story. The gospel is God's salvation for all of humanity, but your testimony is how God has uniquely and individually saved you. Ooh. Your testimony is powerful. It's, it's, it's the gospel being manifested in your life. It's what God's love has done in you and for you. And each of us have a unique story about what God has done for us and through us and in us. That's called our testimony. And so uh, you look at Jesus's ministry. He performed many miracles, but he exercised them differently. And so for one man, he did it this way. And for another person, he did it this way. And they all had a unique story to tell, which, which actually reminds me of, of a man in John chapter 9. Uh, he was a blind man. The Bible says that he was born blind, in fact. He was born blind. And just to make the long story short, Jesus encounters this man. And when he encounters this man, what you see is that he takes a little bit of a little bit of saliva spit okay and a little bit of dirt and he 
he turns it into mud and he places it on the man's eyes. Now, that's a message all by itself because sometimes your miracle is in between a little bit of spit and dirt. I'm just saying, that's, that's a message right there. But he takes this, he turns it into mud, he places it on the man's eyes, he tells him to go wash himself, and here's really where I want to bring it, bring it in. He goes, wash him, washes himself, and he just gets bombarded with the Pharisees. They come up to him and they're like, yo, who, who say, who, who healed you? Uh, are you, are you? Were you really the blind man that was on the corner over here begging people for money? Is that, was that you? Because who, who's, who's the one that healed you? Is that the, is that the guy that, his name is Jesus? Is that the guy that is claiming to be the Messiah? And this guy's like, I, I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I, I'm blind. I didn't know who, I don't know who did this for me. I haven't even gone back to see him. Like, I don't, I, I just know this. I couldn't see it and now I can. <laughs> That's my testimony. See, they were able to take away everything from him. He didn't have all the answers to the question, but they couldn't, away, they couldn't take away his testimony. Come on. They can't take away your testimony. When you are sharing God's love with people and what it's done in your life, you can share your testimony freely. And what's your testimony? It's, hey, listen, I once was, but now I am. I don't have all the answers to all the questions that you may have for me. I don't, I don't, I can't, I don't do well in interrogations, but I know this. I once was blind, but now I see. I, well, well, what are, uh, how did the dinosaurs exist? I don't know. Well, did God create aliens? I don't know. How did Noah get all those um, animals in the, in the ark? I don't know. Um, is the earth flat or not? I don't know. So what do you know? Oh, that I once was blind, but now I see. I once was blind, but now I see. Your testimony is, I once was hooked on drugs, but now I am free. I once used to, I, I once didn't have control of my anger, but now I have God's peace. I once used to respond with anxiety and fear, but now I have God's presence that empowers me to walk through those things. I once was, but now I am. I once was, but now I am. That is our testimony. And Revelation tells us that we overcome the devil with the blood of the lamb. That's the gospel. That's his shedding of blood for our sins. That's his death on the cross. And with the power of telling others what he has done for them. Look, Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, they had the power over the devil and won because of the blood of the lamb and by telling what he had done for them. That is your testimony. We overcome the devil. Let me tell you, every time you share your testimony and what God has done in your life, you put another stomp on the devil's head to remind them what God has done in your life. Every time you tell someone about God's love and how it has impacted your life and how he freed you from lust and how he freed you from resentment and unforgiveness, every time you do that, you put another stomp on the devil's head. Why? Because you using your story is impacting someone else's story and they are coming back home to God because of the blood of the lamb and the power of your testimony. Here's the last one I want to give you is represent. Represent. Put that in the comment in the comments. Represent. Represent. So the gospel is God's message of love. Our testimony is what God's love has done in us and for us. But represent is being proof that God's love works. Woo! 
I'm gonna step on some toes today. Represent is being proof that God's love works. Listen, I want my life to speak louder than my words ever could. I want my life to speak louder than my words ever could. Like, I wanna be a good representative that God's love works. And at the end of the day, like we can talk, we can share, we can promote, we can speak, but if our life does not live itself as an example that God's love work works, then our message will ring hollow. I need you to hear me. That at the end of the day, that if we all we do is talk about it but not be about it, then our message will not be as effective as it could be in the life of others. And so we don't want to just talk about it. We don't, no one goes to a financial seminar to hear from someone that can give good advice that is in debt to the gills, that is, has his house in foreclosure, that can't get, uh, get, can't get a, a foothold out of debt. No one wants to hear from that person. Like no one wants to hear from, from a person who speaks a good game, who has good advice, who preaches pretty well, but doesn't practice is what they preach like no one wants to do that like no one wants to go to the gym and get advice from a trainer who is struggling with their health who is uh overweight nothing wrong with that hello but no one wants advice from someone who's not practicing what advice that they're giving right in the same way that there are people that are calling, that need help. There are people that are bound, but no one that is bound wants to hear a message of freedom from someone who also is bound. So we got to be proof that God's, this message that we're talking about works. And it, listen to me, it doesn't mean that we have to be perfect. It doesn't mean that we have to have our T's crossed and our I's dotted on every single, but it has to mean that that when we live our lives, it's proof, hey, listen, my God's love works in my life. And I think that we've all encountered representatives of organizations that misrepresent their organization. Like, and if you haven't, all you need to see, all you need to do is watch an episode of Undercover Boss and you'll see that they encounter, the bosses go undercover and they find out that they have representatives that misrepresent the company. And we've seen this in organization, we've seen this in churches, where you have people that misrepresent what that organization, what that group stands for. And I just, I'm concerned that many times people, God's lost sons and daughters are encountering representatives that misrepresent that God's love works. It misrepresents that God's love works. And Ephesians chapter four tells us, I exhort you to walk worthily of the calling to which you are called. He goes, walk worthily. Listen, we are not worthy, but God makes us worthy. So now we don't walk to become worthy, but we walk because we have been made worthy. And because we have been made worthy, we could walk worthily of this calling that God has given us. We need, we, God has called us to be the evidence that his love works, that when people look at our lives, they will see it in such a way that they can say, listen, I want what you have. 
I want what you have. And so our job is not to live this life like, like when the world looks at us, it's like, yeah, well, you look, look how you react when people judge you. Yeah, you react the same way I act. Look how you react when someone doesn't apologize. You, you, you react in bitterness and you react in resentment and you react in anger. And, 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 and so we can't be the kind of community. And please hear me, hear my heart in all this. Like we can't be the kind of community that just misrepresents who we are in Christ because we have a message, we have a testimony and we have a responsibility to be proof that God's love works. Like we can't like, oh yeah, they know you go to church. They know you sing songs, but you still cursing out your baby mama you oh they know you go to church they know you sing the songs but they still see you going to drugs we got to be proof that God's love works we got to be the proof that God's love works for the people because people will never see God until they see the evidence of God's love in us People will never hear God's voice for themselves until they see God's love echo through the voice of our lifestyle. So we got to be proof that God's love works. People can't continue to see God's representatives and be like, yeah, I know they go to church, but look at them. No, God's love works. And I want my life to do the talking that when people look at my life, they can say, I want what you have, I want to, can I tell you something that this goes for parenting, that if you share, if you share with your children, God's love, if you share with them, what God's love has done in your life. And if you just model that, now, my, my kids told me the other day, they, they said, it's hard for us to believe a lie about you, dad, because of the way you live. And I think that that's just the greatest compliment. And I'm sorry that I'm using myself as a standard, but I just think I, I, I don't get it right all the time. But in, in, in this case, I feel like, man, Lord, thank you. Thank you for that privilege that my kids could. This is the secret recipe for your children. It's not just you telling your kids to do something that you don't live by. And I think this is where we close. John chapter four, verse 39. And I know I've I've gone a little bit over my time, but I think it's so important. I think that we're going to walk out of this more empowered than ever to share the story about God. And it's a woman that encountered Jesus. This is a woman with a really bad reputation. She has married five people and she's kind of like the talk of the town. And, and now she's living with a guy that won't even give her a ring, won't even put a ring on it. He's just living with her. He doesn't see her worthy enough to marry. And and, and he, she has this radical encounter with Jesus. Like Jesus is not supposed to be there. She shouldn't have encountered him, but they do. They have this radical encounter. And then when they encounter Jesus, Jesus transforms her life. She goes to her town and to her village and she starts telling everybody what God has did, done in her life. And because that's really, that's really what happens when you encounter Jesus, that you're compelled to share with him. In fact, Jesus encountered people and Jesus would tell people, hey, don't tell what I did for you. And you know what they would do? They would go and tell people what God did for them because they couldn't contain it. They couldn't contain it. And here's what verse 39 says in, in John chapter four. It says many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I ever did. And when they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. So he stayed for two days long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. Then they said to the woman, now we believe, not just because of what you told us, 
but because we have heard him for ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the savior of the world. This woman went from having a bad reputation to being a good representative that God's love still works. See, she was like the kiosk operator. They had heard it from her first, but then she had led him, led them to him. And now they heard it from themselves that he is the savior of the world. Yeah, I, I, I used to have a bad reputation, but now I am a proper representative. Yeah, I used to get angry, but I'm proof now that God's love works. Yeah, I used to be bitter, but God's love works. Yes, I used to be resentful, but God's love works. Yes, I used to be unforgiving, but God's love works. Yes, I used to be greedy and self-ambitious, but God's love works. Look what God's love has done in my life that when people will look at your life they won't believe who you used to be and people that know you from who you used to be won't believe who you are today because God's love works I used to be lonely I used to be addicted but now I'm set free because God God's love works and I want to give an opportunity right now I think it's a perfect op opportunity to once again see God's love at work if you're watching me right now, I want to close with the opportunity to pray for you. And if you're here and you're saying today, Pastor O, I'm done with my love being silent. And I want to start telling people about God. I've been given the greatest message in the world. I've been given a unique story. And God has given me a life to be a proper representative of that story. If that's you today, I want to pray for you. And here's all I'm asking for you to do. Write one person's name down. That's it. I want you to write one person's name down and I want you to pray for them this entire quarantine. And at the end of this quarantine, I want you to bring them to church. That's it. Whether it's four weeks, whether it's five weeks, I want you to pray for them every single week until you bring them to church. And I'm going to pray for you right now. But if you're here and you haven't encountered this love, I want you to give God an opportunity to allow God's love to work in your life. I, I usually say it's God being activated in you. you. You feel strange inside. You feel different inside. You don't know what it is. Well, it's God's love being activated in you. And I want to pray for you today. And if that's you right there where you are, we can raise our hands at the count of three. One, two, three. Could you raise up your hand? God sees your hand and I want to pray for you. Could we say this prayer? Let's close our eyes. Let's bow our heads. We don't have to comment anything right now in the comment section. We don't have to post. Let's just use this moment to pray. Dear God, come into my life. I receive your forgiveness of sins. I receive your love. I surrender my life to your love. I believe that you are the son of God and that you died for me and was raised on the third day. And from this day forth, I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Our mission here at Christ Uncensored House of Worship is to love God, love people, and love life. 
Kuhau is a place where our story is still being written. Together, we can do more than we can ever do alone. If this message has encouraged you and you wish to partner with us in taking this message all across the world, go to kuhau.com slash give or follow us on any social media platform. Thank you in advance for your support and generosity. Come and begin a whole new journey with us.